Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the West Ham Matters podcast, brought to you by westhammatters.com and powered by the Runny Dog Media Group. I'm your host Luke Glanville and this week I'm delighted to be joined by the Evening Standards West Ham correspondent, Jack Rosser. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you? Afternoon, man. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Thank you very much for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. So, we'll get straight down to it and um, we're going to start with a player... I know that you've been singing his praises and who hasn't really in the, in the last few weeks, Declan Rice. Big bit of news this week. He's um, pledged his international allegiance to England. What did you make of that decision? Was you expecting it? Uh, do you know what? Sort of thinking back, it was something that because when it first came up, of course, we had international break after international break. It was a story that, that was there all the time in every press conference we went to, every game. There was a caveat that, you know, someone from, from either either association was watching keeping tabs on him, having conversations with him. He was meeting with him all the time. Um, I could not have called which way he was going to go. Spoke a lot about how, you know, he's a Londoner, born and bred in England, but he's got that Irish heritage and he's proud of it. And and having played for them, that gives you a, a, a connection anyway. I think it must have just been those meetings with, with the likes of Gareth Southgate, the things that must have been said there, the, the direction Gareth's taking England. Of course, you've got the, the comparative sizes of the nations and, and the stage that England get to play on compared, you know, in relation to Ireland, um, with all due respect to either side, but, you know, playing at, at Wembley and, and in these, these latter stages of the tournaments, as, as was shown last summer, it maybe makes a bit more sense that he's gone with that decision. Um, it won't have gone down well at all in Ireland but I think really I'm going to put out a tweet yesterday I think everyone aside from maybe a couple of, of ex-internationals you've had the likes of Jason McAteer go go on various sort of talk shows radio shows put quotes out through through various outlets sort of hammering him in for even considering switching um, I think everyone's handled it with sort of the utmost class and, and dignity and every time we've spoken to to coaches or, or Pellegrini you know in public or in private Everyone has, has just said it's a, how big a decision it is, how tough a decision it is for someone his age who had all the contract going on as well, the sort of meteoric rise he's experienced, learning a new position under another new manager. He's had three managers in, 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 his, in his time in the first team already, and he's, and he's 20. So he's had a lot go on in the last couple of years. And then this is a decision that very few players, um, certainly of his age, have to make uh, in... in such a public sort of domain. So I think he's handled it brilliantly. Um, personally, you know, being English and an England fan, I think it's a great decision. He's, it, it's a position that <clears throat> Eric Dyer is a good option, but you have all that debate over who's going to hold the midfield and, and he's a fantastic option for the future. Um, yeah, and I think his statement was, was, was a very classy statement, a very well-thought-out statement, and I, and I think he's handled it brilliantly. Absolutely. You're, you're someone who gets to, to cover England for the Evening Standard as well as some of the London clubs. Do you think that when um, the next squad is announced, which is um, for the for the March international break, do you think you'll be involved? I, yeah, no, certainly I think so. As long as he keeps up his his performances, it's a squad he'll have to get into on merit. Um, Gareth Southgate is always very very quick to remind us that, that no cap is... is easily earned in, in his squad which is why there was such controversy when um, Rooney of course came in for that USA game because that did as much as it was a, a, a great event and 
being at that game, it was it was a really nice occasion. Um, but that was where the controversy was there because all these caps have been earned. You know, Jane and Sancho didn't get in because they just wanted to have a quick look at him. He got in because he's he's been a fantastic talent all season, and he showed that in the, in the first half of Dortmund's game against Tottenham this week. Um, but I think as long as Rice keeps up the level he's performing at, he's been absolutely superb over the festive period, December through January, and now. Going on into February, he's, he's been one of West Ham's best players, most consistent performers all season, and especially having come back through the sort of early struggles in the season. Of course, Liverpool hooked at half-time, left out of the next squad. But Pellegrini always spoke about, you know, having in mind a position from a position that he would have to learn, something that he would have to develop into the tactical side, being able to read the game. And you can start to see those things coming out in his, in his game now. So I think as long as he keeps up that standard, there's no reason why having put it all to bed with a couple of with a, uh, a few weeks to to keep those performances going before the squad's announced there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the squad certainly whenever a west ham player gets mentioned um or, or linked to an england squad there's always that that debate that i'm, I'm sure we're all a bit tired of the the mark noble one he's been called by by the likes of paul merson before the the best player best english player never to have played for england um where, what's your view on that on that kind of noble non-selection over the course of his career? I'm not sure. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic player for West Ham and he's been a fantastic servant to the club. But I think there are, there are some players and, you know, he's a, fa- he's a fantastic character, he's a fantastic leader. Maybe he could have brought some of that to an England squad um, throughout his career. But he also, you know, had had to rival some of the the best midfielders the Premier League's ever seen for that, that position, um, coming through at the same time as, as the likes of you know Lampard and Gerrard, mm. albeit that they've retired and he's continued in the Premier League. Um, there, there is a certain level of player that you think maybe you know you just not stay in your box or anything disrespectful like that. But there are there are people that get called into England squads and you think well maybe it is just a step too far for them. There there are decent Premier League players. I think the same thing about Glenn Murray really. Martin Noble has, of course, done it a lot longer and a lot more consistently than, than Glenn Murray and would perhaps be a lot more deserving of a place in the England squad than Glenn Murray. But when he starts scoring goals, you get the same course. Well, you know, he should be in the England squad. Personally, I think that would be a step too far for a player like him. And, and really, as, as much as you know, West Ham fans will, will, will be baffled for years that, that Noble never got in the England squad, for someone who's not a, a fan of the club, for someone who just covers it, impartially um i don't think it's too i don't think england have missed too big a player over over the years mm-hmm. it it certainly is it certainly seems that in terms of west ham players who have come through the academy rice is on that that next level to, to someone um like noble isn't he certainly yeah there is a real you know there's a real level of potential about him he is you, you see the sort of you know there were calls once when Reese Oxford, you remember, made his debut yeah. uh, in midfield against Arsenal. And you look at what, look what's happened to him since everybody, he was held up as the next best thing. You know, the academy's not produced anyone since Noble at this stage. He's the one to come through, break that, that duck and, and really be the future of this West Ham side. You look at what's happened to him since. And that, that talent perhaps is still there, but maybe it's more of a mentality thing. And Rice exemplifies what, you you need to to make it coming through the academy, keeping your head up, head screwed on, and and just focusing on your own development at this stage. It's perhaps why they were so careful with his new contract. 
Oxford got a lot of money very quickly and it, it's caused controversy, should we say, you know, since since he broke through and, and then since hasn't been in the squad, spent the whole first half of this season on a lot of money just playing for the 23s, not getting in the first team squads when, when others were getting their chance. Um, so that is, is, is perhaps why they're a bit more careful dealing with it. But what Rice has got, as well as that ability that does put him a level above many others in the squad and in that midfield, he's also got the, re- the respect required for people like Mark Noble and the work ethic required that people like Mark Noble have and, and will look to instill in those sort of further down the pecking order. Absolutely. Um, looking ahead briefly to the, the Fulham game then, which is, um, which is next Friday night. It'll be under a week away by the time you hear this podcast. Can this game go down as a must-win for West Ham? I no, I think well, it's a game where they can get a, a proper performance out again, isn't it? They can get 90 minutes of a confident performance, they will hope. There's not been too many signs from Fulham that they're going to suddenly spark into life with one great performance and that is going to be their run to safety, you know, started. You've still got to be wary of that because Ranieri's, you know, not a foolish manager. He'll, he might be able to target this game and that West Ham are more than safe. They're out of the cup. So aside from an incredible push to a European spot, there's not too much left to play for this season. So in that case, it can't be must-win in that, you know, there's, there's no threat of relegation from any more they're safe they've got what they really sort of wanted from this first season under Pellegrini which was a clear sign of progress um, a clear sort of development of a style and then it provides a good platform to go on and do something more remarkable next season but I think what it does present Friday night under the lights it's a London derby a great atmosphere and then a chance to go out there and having put on sort of half a performance against Crystal Palace put in a proper performance against Fulham and, and see where they go from there. You mentioned there that you think that a run to European place would be incredible for West Ham. Is is that you saying that seventh is, is pretty much out of the equation now? I wouldn't say it's out of the equation. I, I think you look at the teams around there and Everton, you don't know what they're doing sort of, you know, from one day to the next. It, it keeps changing, chopping and changing. Um, so I think, I mean, I'll... Get the table up quickly because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But um, it's one that Pellegrini has spoken about it all season. And you sort of, you listen to him talking and saying, oh yeah, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is this is what we're aiming for. But it's, it is a tough one. You've got teams like Wolves and Watford in there who don't look like they're going to slip up rather dramatically. But there is a fair gap to seven, six points at the moment, which... Is, is doable, certainly doable, but you do still have to rely on Wolves, Watford and Everton all to keep dropping off Bournemouth to continue their sort of topsy-turvy and the same with Leicester. So as long as they can get that consistency back and Pellegrini can keep a squad that haven't really got the obvious carrot of silverware to play for focused, that's the bigger thing. That's perhaps what will help with the, the, the trip uh, to Spain there on this week, just sort of refocusing what they want to do to the end of the season keep that competition alive in the squad, get a couple of key players back, and then if they can string a couple of good results together, they can certainly look at getting a European place. It's not out of reach, but given that there is, you know, very little, there's there's nothing really tangible to play for, it would be quite impressive. Um, just, just talking about the long term then, while, while we're on the top six in European football, how long 
do you think if if West Ham ever get to this standard, and and if they do under Pellegrini, it will be before they manage to establish themselves in Europe. Do you think that next season we we could see West Ham start to bridge that gap a bit more between the um, top six and the rest? It's difficult. You've got a lot of clubs that have sort of tried to do it over the the past few years, haven't you? And mm-hmm. you know, you only need to look at what happened to Burnley in the first half of this season. What's happened to Southampton since they? strung together a few European places, their players start to get picked off and they've slumped down and now they're in the bottom three. Not saying that could happen at West Ham, but it's something you have to be wary of. They're gearing everything up for for the club to be taking this step above what they were at Upton Park to to have this fan base. Pellegrini must be uh, contractually obliged to mention the 60,000 fans in every press conference because he does. I think every player is as well. Yes, it is something that is hammered home, isn't it? <laughs> and they want that to to go up to 66 and and further enhance that. So I think, look, you, I, I would really, really, the target next season will be to finish in that Europa League spots. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. If they carry on the sort of investment that, that they have under Pellegrini, it will be less than last summer because they don't need as much this time around. But keep hold of a couple of key players, maybe get a bit of a dead wood out. Arnautovic is likely to go, bring another striker in, a younger striker, someone that can be there for a few years. Once you get into Europe, they've got the squad to handle it. They've got the depth. They've got a huge squad. It's just keeping everybody on that level, keeping everybody happy and making sure that the performances in all competitions can tally once you're there. That's the really difficult bit. Getting to Europe is difficult. Staying there is the the tough bit. And they're a long way off being able to do that at the moment. But it's, it's not too much to suggest that they could get there over the next sort of four or five years and it's usually around about this time of year where the club goes on a warm weather training camp and and by by no means this is this you know this hasn't been the reaction that the trip to the usa had last year i'm sure i'm sure we will remember that but there's there's been a few murmurs of discontent of as west ham have headed to um to marbella this week when had they beaten Wimbledon and not lost in in such a dramatic fashion, um, they they would be still playing in the the Emirates FA Cup. But it, it's somewhat unfair, isn't it? Considering that it is it's not a holiday; it's a it's a warm weather training camp. Yeah, no, certainly not a holiday. And I think it's such a a small thing for fans to get unhappy about. Mm-hmm. It's it's part and parcel of Premier League life now. Really, this sort of thing. It's something that clubs will do, even if they've got, you know, Man- Manchester United did it not that long ago. They didn't have a very long break. It wasn't even a, a two-week break. They disappeared for a few days to Dubai, get into some facilities that, you know, and Rush Green, they're putting a lot of money in there at the training ground back in London, but they've not got fantastic facilities compared to, to those teams that are in the European spots in the Premier League. So they can go somewhere, much nicer weather, lifts everyone's spirits, gets them away from, you know, the, the sort of day-to-day of, of being at the club and, and any things that, that maybe have not distractions, but it just gives them all a chance to be there, go and do some bonding sessions, get tight in it as a group, slightly refocus and really focus on what, what the manager wants them to do in that week. And, you know, like all of us, if you're going and working in those conditions as opposed to the sort of, the cold, windy weather back in, in East London, you're going to be much happier. It's going to lift your spirits. It's a change of pace for them. They can come back and it, it does sort of break it up after what is a, 
a hellish schedule across December, January and into the start of February. It breaks it up and, and perhaps just gives them a slight moment to sort of reflect, re-energise and then look towards that, that run-in. So it's a strange thing for fans to get funny about, really. Even, I mean, I know the USA trip was after Burnley mm-hmm. last year and, and that they took a lot of flack for that, but maybe that was the best thing to do then, even more so to get away from what was going on following that game. So, yeah, it's a funny thing for them to draw criticism over and being professional athletes, they're, they're not going to get away with, you know, nights out and things like that out there. We spoke to Pellegrini about it after the game at Crystal Palace and he gave us a, a fantastic quote a few months ago on Declan Rice saying he could play two games in one day and then go out dancing. So, you know, he was asked if, if he's going to let the, the players go out and, and have a dance and things like that, you know, a bit of R&R while they're out there. And it just said, oh, they've only played one game, so there's going to be no sort of rest for them out there. They are going to work very hard, and it, and it should benefit the squad. Where would uh, where would you rather be this week, Marbella or, or Rush Green? Uh, Marbella, <laughs> without a doubt, every week. <laughs> uh, uh, at any time of the year. Um, exactly. We, we mentioned that kind of half-baked performance against Crystal Palace a second ago. And it was a strange one from West Ham, wasn't it? It was it was very Jekyll and Hyde once again, which has almost been a theme of Pellegrini's reign so far, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a real frustration of his, you can tell. And what I found quite strange was that they dropped deep in the second half and they let Crystal Palace come on to them, which is something we all know he hates. He said time and again in press conferences that he wants his team to play the same way regardless of the score. So 3-0 down, 0-0, 3-0 up. He wants them to play on the front foot looking to create chances and, and playing this open, expansive football. So I put that to him, that he'd be dis- he would perhaps be disappointed because they sat back. And I think it was I think it was the culmination of the last couple of months, really, that performance. They have had a hard run. They've had a really tough time with injuries. They, they've got, you know, perhaps West Ham and Tottenham are the two worst affected in the Premier League in terms of injuries. I think it's an average of seven or eight players West Ham are playing. Uh, playing without each game at the moment. So I think perhaps that second half maybe was just a culmination of what has happened over the last couple of months. But once again, it was a real disappointment given the way they did play in the first half. Yeah, it was a chance to take some some pressure off, wasn't it, after the the uh, the three defeats and the Wimbledon defeat to, to really kind of build on that, that Liverpool performance? Yeah, and that is the real the real frustration. I wrote a piece after after the Liverpool game sort of said as much in that these results against the bigger sides are fantastic and they give fans superb memories at at the London Stadium as they have done. The 0-0 I think was followed up with a 3-1 over Manchester United. 0-0 against Chelsea, sorry, 3-1 against United, which you can't argue with. But United was followed up by uh, defeat against Brighton, I think. And then Arsenal was was followed by defeat against Bournemouth. And then the, the point against Liverpool is followed by a point against Crystal Palace. There has to be a shift in mentality that they don't just put those performances in against the big six. Of course, when the cameras are there, when it is the top teams, there is going to be maybe an extra percentage. But it's Pellegrini and his staff's job to make sure that that stays there when you are playing Crystal Palace, Brighton and Bournemouth. Because these are the games that if you want to get into that top six, seven bracket and maybe try and break that top six, which is one hell of a task. Mm -hmm especially since Leicester won the title and they've all, you know, woken up a bit, retoured. Manchester City have dragged them all to another level. It is one hell of a task to get into that top six. So if you're going to do it, you need to get these results against them, which is fantastic. 
but you also need to make sure you're doing it against those teams in and around you, those those slightly lesser teams in the Premier League. You have to make sure you're putting in the same level of performance week in, week out, which is what the likes of City do. They go and beat Chelsea 6-0, but they also do it. They've done it this season. They put five past Huddersfield. They put six past Southampton. They, you've got to do it each and every week. Certainly. I was going to say, you know, could it be that West Ham just don't like playing teams from the south but but then I remembered the the Southampton game which which you won't want me to to mention no. too much of course um just coming back to Rice for a second mentioned Manchester City there which was what reminded me there's there's speculation linking Rice with Manchester City if he continues in the same vein for the, for these last few months of the season is he good enough to play for Manchester City I think further down the line he is I know they have had a look at him um and and sort of considered him but but no much more than that at the moment. I think what would be best for him, Pellegrini sees a clear path for him, sees a clear, clear development for him, and he's no way near completing that in Pellegrini's eyes yet. There's a lot more he needs to learn in terms of once he gets the ball, because he's fantastic at reading sort of the game a few steps ahead and getting into those pockets of space and stopping attacks. That bit he is he's brilliant at, and he offers so much cover for either the centre-halves or full-backs when they're going forward. It's the starting moves that Pellegrini wants him to to improve on. And he's got to get that up to a very good standard if he wants to play for someone like Manchester City. But you're right, if he does continue on the same development path over the next couple of years, really, I I think there's no doubt that it will be a hefty task for West Ham to hold on to him in a couple of years' time. And and finally, just just on this week's break, uh, do you think that it's a good thing? For, for West Ham this break do you think if if you gave him the option now if you just said right you're at the FA Cup but we can give you this Premier League fixture this weekend do you think they would take it or do you think they would, would continue with the break players would always say well, I want to play they'd always take the always take the game but given the injuries given the situation they're in this 10, 10 day break I think it is maybe a bit longer than that is exactly what Pellegrini needs to get a couple of players back. He's suggesting that Lanzini could be back in the squad for the Fulham game. I've spoken to a couple of people who think that might be slightly ambitious. And really for Fulham, if everybody turns up as they should, they're not going to need Lanzini. They're not going to need him to be fit. So maybe he goes and plays with the 23s for a bit, given how long he's been out for. Um, But from the coaching side, I think... This offers a real chance to get a few of those players back, get them working with the squad again, get Balbuena back, because as good as Ogbon has been in some games, he's been a real, real miss um, at the back in others. So I think for Pellegrini, it's a, it's a little break that he needed to sort of just have a think over things, have a look back and get, get, a, few more, get a few more bodies back in fit, really. Most certainly. And just, just before we go, um, looking ahead once again to that Fulham game, could I get a score prediction from you, please? I think, I mean, having seen Fulham a few times, I think it will be West Ham. I think Fulham will score, I'm going to say, 3-1 West Ham. Fantastic, that's what we like to hear. Just um, just before we go, if, if anyone listening wants to give you a follow on Twitter or, or um, stay up to date with your work, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, so everything I write is on Evening Standard, standard.co.uk forward slash football or Standard Sport on Twitter. And then my personal Twitter is at jackrosser underscore. Fantastic. Um, thank you very much for coming on the, the West Ham Masters podcast once again. No problem. Thanks for having me, mate. And thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We will be back next Friday with another episode. Goodbye for now. <laughs>